I'm Heather Roberts here with Congressman Cliff Bentz. Thank you so much, sir, for taking the time to sit down with us today. Heather, it's great to be with you. And we are going to have kind of a marathon session on a, uh, several really big issues that I, I would love to get to. Uh, starting with the wolf meeting that you had out in Prineville last week, you sat down with some ranchers, some local officials, and we heard a little bit about what happened in that meeting, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about what you learned and what you hope to do with that information. Well, as chair of the uh, Water, Wildlife, Fisheries Subcommittee of Natural Resources in Congress, it's my hope to have a hearing about a month from now on wolves and what we heard in Prineville is going to play an important part in providing a foundation for the damage that wolves are doing to to livestock operators and, and to and to others. I would I would just say that most people don't think about the psychological damage that's done to cattle herds and, and what that results in is a much lower calving percentage. And so if you take a 20, 30% hit on the number of calves being born, that's a huge hit. Usually you only hear about the calves being killed, but the psychological impact is, is terrifically important. And, and the people in Prineville brought that up. You want to have a hearing. What are you hoping to accomplish from that? There's two major goals on my part. The first is to ask how many wolves is enough. We have 200 wolves in Oregon right now. The cost those 200 wolves is creating is is astounding on on the on the ranchers and and others. And so by others, I mean recreationalists who relied on elk herds and and uh, and uh, mule deer uh, to to hunt and otherwise recreate. So that's one. One point we're going to try to show is how many wolves is enough? Uh, is 200 too many, or do, do some people want several thousand? I can't even imagine how, the, how much damage they would create. But second question is who pays? Who's responsible for the cost of this reintroduction? And it is a reintroduction. People would try to argue otherwise, but that's not true. They were reintroduced into Montana and uh, moved this way. So uh, the question is who bears the cost? Is it is it those who? We're trying to make a living out in the rural areas of, of the United States, or is it, or should it be others? They are federally protected, at least in in most of Oregon. Are you hoping to change that? Then is there is there a, a goal to get them removed for the Endangered Species Act? No, oh, the most assuredly is. We have all kinds of wolves, and they don't need to be protected by that act. And what we need is more protection for people trying to make a living. It uh, doesn't mean that we want to get rid of all the wolves, even though I think many people would be happy if that were the case. No, what we need to do is make sure that, that we're able to manage the wolf appropriately so it doesn't drive people out of business. Moving on to an issue that, from my understanding, you are involved in, in Deschutes County, even though it's not quite in your district. What are you working on for the struggles that they're having south of Bend on China Hat Road? So actually, China Hat Road is in my district, and and the uh, I dearly would like to have somebody else have that problem, not me, but I do have it, and I'm happy to work on it uh, with and with the folks that that are challenged by hundreds of homeless uh, that have taken up, uh, I'm going to say, illegal residence in the national forest. the The Forest Service has has not been able to deal with that situation in a in a way that's satisfactory to uh, to, to frankly anyone, and the challenge uh, to the neighbors that I met with. Uh, and um, tried to try to address the issue is how in the world do we uh, manage these two or three or four hundred people that are that are that are living right across China Hat Road from uh, folks that have houses and homes and, and other lives going on and and uh, the challenge really is how in the world do we prompt the Forest Service to do the right thing and have those people removed and moved into places that do exist uh, for them to live in. 
it's a it's it's it, without appropriate leverage that's not going to happen those people are going to stay there they're staying there because they they, they want to stay there and so they they it's not legal they, they shouldn't be there and the question is who are we going to get to enforce the law how do you hope to do that i mean the county's been trying to work with the forest service for for years to deal with this right i think that i think one of the approaches that we discussed is uh, working out some sort of a, a management arrangement with the forest service and uh, if that there's different levels of co-management or just delegation of management, and I'll be talking to the Forest Service folks about exactly that as soon as I get back. We're we're already reaching out uh, to to folks in that Forest Service space because somehow if they're not going to manage that land appropriately, then we're going to find somebody who can, and then we're going to take care of it. It, it is a struggle. I mean, you've got not just the federally managed property, but as you mentioned, there there are places for some of those people to go, but the county's been struggling to try and find enough space for all of the the unhoused, especially in South County. There, there just seems to be a disconnect between convincing those people to move into a safer location, but also creating enough of those safer locations. It's If you build it, they won't always come. It, it, it's gonna have to be a collaboration. Well, there is no doubt about that. I will tell you that we did check on the number of openings in housing across the, 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 the uh, I'll say, affected area, and it was around 400, and that, that exceeded the number of people on, by China Hat Road. So we have the openings, and you are right. It requires a certain amount of um, authority, if you will, to prompt these folks, one, to leave, and then to point to them the locations of housing that is available. I think in many cases, they just don't want to move into places where there is law enforcement. They just don't want to be there. And so the, the point is, we can't leave them uh, putting at risk the people who live alongside China Hat Road. That's not right. We need to fix it. Let's move into a, a little more national, international events. Border security, clearly an issue that Republicans have made, uh, uh, not not just this year in Congress, but a campaign issue. Where are you? What are your thoughts on kind of the direction that we're headed with the southern border right now? Well, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would willingly say that the border is secure because it's not. The, the challenge is what we do about the laws of parole and asylum, because those laws have no limit on the number of people that can come into the United States. The only limit you have is on making sure that those that are uh, holding themselves out as being entitled to either parole or asylum are, are, are what, given a hearing so we know if they are entitled to it. Because about one in 10 of the folks that come in are actually entitled to parole or asylum, yet we let all 10 in. That's not going to work. We have millions, literally millions of people coming in now that will never leave. And the, and the challenge is, how in the world do we get control of that situation? The president has it within his power with executive orders to aggressively address this issue has chosen not to. And so we in Congress have said, look, if you're not gonna do what you should be doing, then we're gonna have to address this issue monetarily. That's why you see right now all kinds of pressure being placed on Speaker Johnson when it comes to uh, the budget that has not yet been passed, should have been passed way back October 1st. Uh, that's when our, our year began, our fiscal year. And so <clears throat> we're gonna have to say, look, look, Mr. President, um, you need to do something. And I think he's finally starting to move in that direction, but he's got a long ways to go. I was going to say the president has 
kind of dangled that carrot a little bit, has said that he's willing to take executive action. Have you had a chance to dive into kind of what that proposal looks like? So he hasn't really made a proposal about what he would do. He simply said he might, close, quote, close the border, end quote. What that means is a little unclear. The, the, uh, closing the border can mean an awful lot of things, but I don't think he means what we want it to mean, which is to to uh, make sure that those who want to come into the United States and enjoy uh, enjoy what we have to offer here uh, go through the proper procedures to to reach that status. And they're not right now. Right, right now, that's simply not happening. A one in 10 uh, people coming in, uh, in truly entitled to asylum or parole. And, uh, and again, it needs to be understood. Asylum or parole, there is no limit under current law. No, none. Uh, and so if you are entitled to it, you get to come in. That issue has to be addressed also, because uh, with transportation the way it is around the world now, we could literally have uh, tens of millions of people arriving in Mexico or the, Central America and coming to the border and saying, hey, I have a credible fear, and thus you must let, let me in. That's not going to work, and it, it's not going to work because we can't afford it. And the, and the question is, how do we get it stopped, slowed down, and uh, so we can approach this issue correctly? Border security, obviously a big issue that you and I aren't going to be able to hash out today, and we only have a minute right. left in our time. And I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the budget. You you mentioned uh, that there that we're already behind on that. There is another risk of a, at least a partial government shutdown. How close are we to that? And do you think a deal will be made in time? Mm. I'm extremely worried that we will have a government shutdown. A government shutdown will not be good for this nation. It will not be good for the Republican Party. The only thing that would be good for is proving to people who want us to shut down that it won't work. And, and the, the problem we have right now is we haven't reached an agreement among we Republicans on what it would take to reopen the government should we shut it down. So the, the, the challenge is, do we shut it down to show people that we've tried everything, uh, even though it's going to be severely damaging to the Republican Party and I think to the nation? Um, or do we go ahead and try to muddle our way through? And we'll be talking about that tomorrow and, and over the next week and a half. Okay. We are out of time. Republican Representative Cliff Benz, thank you so much for taking some time and hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. Heather, I really appreciate the opportunity. You're listening to FM News 100.1 and 1110 KBND.